Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 151 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. Today we have an extra special treat for you guys. We're interviewing celebrity trainer Vinny Tortorich, who we both had a chance to connect with at KetoCon this year. And I know Allie's been on his podcast prior and just recorded a new episode with him. So I'll make sure to link all the relevant places in our show notes today. But we had an absolute blast interviewing Vinny for today's show. And he's just, he's hilarious. I mean, just wait until he gets to the part about the vegan bro with the man bun and what the health. I had to mute myself because I was laughing so hard. I knew that man bun would get you, Becky. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, Brady, you know, Brady had long hair, uh, going into probably when Stella was up until six months. Yeah. He was like able to rock a ponytail. And I mean, even back further predating that, uh, Brady's had his share of, uh, long hair, but he's never rocked a man bun just for the record, (laughs) just for the record. And if you guys, if one of you listeners is rocking a man bun, Hey man, it's all right. You're probably doing it good. Yeah. So By the time this episode airs, uh, a fat, a documentary will be available on iTunes and Amazon, as well as all the other places where you can stream and watch documentaries and videos. So we will put a link in the show notes because you will not want to miss it. As you'll find out from today's episode, Vinny is quite a fun personality. It's a great conversation. So this is one where you might not need your notepad and pen. You can kind of like listen as a breezy, uh, drive to work or out, especially if you need a good laugh. But Fat, a documentary is Vinny's newest project. And he's got big names on board like Gary Tobbs, Nina Teicheltz, uh, Dave Feldman, Eric Westman, Ivor Cummings, just to name a few. So I'm sensing that Becky and I will definitely have a movie night in the near future. Yes, absolutely. So I'll go ahead and read his bio and we'll get through the official stuff and we'll get him on the show. Vinny Tortorich is a celebrity fitness trainer, speaker, podcaster, and best-selling author of Fitness Confidential Adventures in the Weight Loss Game. He's been called America's angriest trainer, and he's become known for exposing the underbelly of the health and fitness industry, as well as his coined no grains, no sugar, no sugar, no grains, NSNG lifestyle. Vinny has some serious longevity in this industry spending nearly 40 years showing people how to lose weight and keep it off. His book, Fitness Confidential, and podcast of the same name have helped and inspired people to reach their goals. He's been a personal trainer to people from all walks of life for 37 plus years and wants his newest project, Fat, a documentary to help change lives. Yes. So we're super excited to have Vinny on here. But before we get into the interview, let's have a quick word from our opening sponsor of this episode, Further Food. Yes, you guys know we absolutely love Further Food and their products, which are the highest quality food as medicine supplements from their grass-fed, pasture-raised collagen, as well as their wild-caught collagen from CodSource, their gelatin, and uh, their tonics, their daily turmeric tonic, and matcha, mindful matcha powders. Uh, They're using really high-quality ingredients that have been assessed for purity, which is really important when you're talking, especially about things like collagen and gelatin that can be contaminated based on the source. Yes. So we're talking about pasture-raised, wild-caught, grass-fed, sourcing, hormone-free, antibiotic-free, and transparency, which is really awesome because we know that if we're using gelatin and collagen for connective tissue, gut integrity, and the hundred plus reasons that collagen should be taken as we discussed in the all about collagen episode. I'm talking vascular tissue. I'm talking about repairing ulcerations, 
and helping with cellulite and so much more, then you definitely want to make sure that you're voting with your dollar and supporting a good quality brand as well as using a good quality product for you and your household. So go on over to furtherfood.com and you can click on the link in the show notes or use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout. All one word, Allie Miller, RD at checkout at furtherfood.com and you will get 10% off any of their products. So that includes the Mindful Matcha or Daily Turmeric Tonic. So going to be a great boost of L-theanine and adaptogens to start your day with clear thought process and anti-anxiety effects or the turmeric tonic being very anti-inflammatory of course as a great boost of antioxidants and then the collagen and gelatin that you can work into your varied recipes we have tons of support for you over on the blog at ally miller rd where you can search either the word collagen or gelatin but start with a good quality product of course so go on over to furtherfood.com and use the code ally miller rd welcome to the naturally nourished podcast Vinny. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're excited for an awesome conversation. So, you know, we read all of the official stuff and got that behind us, but let's tell our listeners a little bit about your background. I think it's super interesting. Let's, let's take um, full speed <laughs> of kind of your uh, background in the wellness industry and um, then we'll, we'll rock and roll. Well, the, the quick story is I, I walked into a gym when I was eight years old. That was in 1970 and uh, never walked out. Uh, ended up getting a degree from Tulane University in nutrition and exercise physiology, uh, which made me the most overrated PE teacher in the world. Um, <laughs> and also I have a, a secondary education degree, so I, I am actually legal to teach PE in school, uh, but I never have. Um, uh, and the industry just didn't exist when I was a kid, you know, when I was young. Um, I was one of the first, uh, quote unquote, fitness trainers, you know, kind of go to your house fitness trainers before every mom and her cousin became a trainer. Um, and they didn't even, the term trainer did not even exist when I started doing this. Um, they, they just called us fitness guys or, you know, the guy who comes over and makes you thin or just any kind of name. Because the word trainer, Ali, as you probably know, was a very specific thing. You know, you had to be, uh, trainers were almost like doctors. They, they were the guys that can uh, take care of injuries, usually for college and pro athletes. <clears throat> uh, and uh, very, very specific. Uh, so I felt kind of weird when they started calling us trainers back in around 81, 82, 83. Um, but it stuck. The, the term stuck. Uh, so that, that's my quick story. I ended up, I started off in New Orleans, you know, very quickly, uh, shape magazine and all these different magazines started doing articles on guys like me. There was just a few of us in the country. I was in New Orleans. There was a guy in New York and it was Jake out here in California. Um, and the, people were interested. It's like, why do people want to have these people come into their house and cause pain? Nobody was really working on it. was dancing around back then. But that was about it. Uh, the thigh master didn't really exist. You know, none of that. You know, it, it was like a, a wide open industry. And um, that's how I got started. And okay. so when did you train? How early in your training experience did the conversation of food and diet. I mean, were you right off the bat with meal plan or some yes and no food lists as well as training, you know, body movements and functional movement or, or did that come later? It, it, it kind of came because of my, my uh, training in exercise physiology. I, you know, <clears throat> um, I, I made a connection early on, even, <clears throat> sorry, I had, I had a cold. I've been in Europe and I got sick on a plane. Um, <laughs> Early on, I, I was questioning when I was still an undergrad because things weren't making sense. Um, most kids at Tulane, I was at Tulane University, most kids were Jewish kids trying to become a doctor. And I was a kid who was just trying to learn stuff. I, I didn't care about becoming a doctor, even though I took gross anatomy and all of that stuff. I got to chop up a human being and all that great stuff. <laughs> but... I learned in the, in the lab early on <clears throat> that um, 
things weren't jiving. Whenever we would have athletes come in and we would hook them up, you know, you've seen the Gatorade ads where they have an athlete hooked up to all the stuff on a treadmill and you're taking all of their vitals and you're pricking their fingers to see when they, they're hitting, uh, you know, their lactose intolerance and you're measuring all this stuff. And I was in the lab doing all that. That's what we did in college. And I remember one day sitting with a friend of mine named Linda, who was going, and she eventually became a physical therapist. But Linda and I were sitting and having lunch after a morning of hooking athletes up to, you know, prodding them and poking them and doing all the stuff. And after I ate my, my sandwich, Linda pulled out some M&Ms. Now, <clears throat> back in the day, M&Ms did not come in supersize. They just came in a little small packet of M&Ms. And she put a few in her hand and she handed me the bag. And I, I took a few in my hand and then I flipped the bag over and I'm reading the back of it and I went, ha. Huh. And she said, ha huh, what? I said, ha. Huh. Interesting. She said, interesting how? And I said, well, think about this. This package has around 200 calories of content. <clears throat> and we only looked at calories as being a measurement of energy. And she goes, so what? I said, we had very fit athletes running at their anaerobic threshold for somewhere between 20 and 30 minutes. She said, yeah, so what? I said, they did not get to this one bag of M&Ms in calories. So she goes, and why should that matter? And I said, because it, it matters because if you can't take an athlete and have that guy run his butt off for 30 minutes at lactic acid threshold, which we measured through blood, how the hell do we expect someone to do a Jane Fonda dance video and lose any weight? And she goes, that's an interesting concept, but it's the only way to lose weight. And I, that was the beginning of my journey of like questioning all of it. And that was like 1981 or 82. So yeah, it's been a while for me. <clears throat> I love that. And I, I definitely have heard you say a time or two, exercise is the worst way to lose weight. So how, how did the food philosophy evolved? Um, how did no sugar, no grains get started? And um, would you say that what you're doing now is more a keto approach or, or still that approach? How has kind of your food application evolved over the years? Uh, my Italian grandmother, you know, because everything I was learning in college wasn't making sense. And um, what I learned was I, I would just listen to what the old folks would say. Uh, and basically, they were talking about girls and this and that, and my mother and all this stuff. They would say, oh, don't eat starches, you'll get fat. So I had that clue way back in the 1970s. Starches will make you fat. Uh, also, as I mentioned, I walked into a gym when I was eight years old and started lifting weight, a lot of weights. And that's how I ended up on a college scholarship. I just, you know, worked out a lot and exercised a lot. And ate a lot of red meat and eggs. I mean, you know, even back in 76 when Rocky One came out, the Sylvester Stallone movie, they show him in a movie eating a dozen raw eggs, right? Yeah. That's what we all did back then. You know, you wanted to put on lean muscle mass, you ate a ton of eggs, you ate a ton of red meat, and you stayed away from bread and cakes and pies and all that because, as we used to say back in the gym, Back when you could say things without, you know, people being shamed, we would say if you eat cakes, you become soft and succulent. And you don't want to be soft. You want to be hard. You want to be, you want to have lean muscle mass. You can't move fat as fast as you can move lean muscle mass. So between my, my grandmother from the old country saying that starches will make you fat and my original strength coach telling me to eat eggs and tuna fish and red meat around the clock, there was no other way. So you can imagine my confusion when the late 80s came around, the mid-80s, and everyone started saying, if you want to lose weight, eat all of these snack wells. <laughs> and I'm looking around going, no, 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 that's full of sugar. You become soft and succulent when you eat that. So the clues started early on for me. 
Awesome. And we're going to get into a lot of the history and trends when we talk about your documentary in a moment. Uh, but let's first stay kind of in the, the, the wellness and training industry um, and your evolution uh, or, or kind of shifts in philosophies and whatnot. What have been some of the biggest, maybe aside from sugar, because I think we'll get into that with the documentary talk, but what are some of the other biggest pet peeves of the personal training or wellness diet industry that have made you really cringe that you're just like hitting yourself, hitting your head up against a brick wall. <laughs> Maybe let's talk some recent ones actually uh, in the last five years or so. Well, you know, I talked a lot about this in, in my book, Fitness Confidential. And I think it's what made the book resonate with, you know, several hundred thousand people. That book has been sold a lot now. Um, it, it's, <clears throat> It's when you hear things like uh, fat burns in the flame of carbohydrates, which I know you're an RD that doesn't believe that, but there are a lot of RDs who will use those words. And, and that came from the 19, mid-1980s book by Robert Haas, where he wrote that. The book was called um, um, Eat to Win, I think. It was, yeah, mm -hmm. it was called Eat to Win. Um, that one drives me nuts. The other thing that drives me nuts is when every soccer mom decides to become a trainer um, I talked about that in the book, too, because all of a sudden, you know, when I got to Hollywood in 1991, I got pretty popular pretty fast uh, because they were still looking for good here. But then all of a sudden, clients started asking me, what's your certification? And I would say, certification? What are you talking about? Oh, do, do, do you have certification? I was like, well, no, I have a college degree. Right. Does that certify <laughs> me? And I have more than one college degree. Does that certify me? And they, they will go, oh, but you, you don't belong to idea, or you don't belong to this, or you don't belong to that. And, and I started looking into those companies and realized how much bullshit was going on. Can I say bullshit in your You story? can. Yes. <laughs> I realized how much BS was going on. Um, because, you know, I started saying, well, who's certifying idea to certify trainers? And then I realized it was just a house of cards oh, wait, we'll create a, a certification thing so that we can now tell people this trainer certified. And gyms and everything went along with it. All the big national brands, Bally's, when Bally's was a thing, 24-Hour Fitness, uh, Equinox, they all kind of went with it. Oh, you can be a trainer here if you get certified by one of these groups that should not be certifying anyone. They just started calling themselves certification groups. And none of it is still, you know, it, none of it is legit. As a matter of fact, my attorney, when I was writing the book, he, he said, are you sure you could put this in there? And I said, listen, you could go online and within 24 hours become certified as a trainer. And he knows, my attorney knows nothing about health and fitness. And he did so. He became certified within uh, 24 hours on the internet as a fitness trainer. And he also got certified as a, uh, a minister. Oh, I have that one too. <laughs> yeah, and and he, he goes, and he goes, how did you learn about this minister thing? And this kid I used to train, I'm going to drop a name here, Howie Mandel's son, Alex Mandel, was also, I, Howie's one of my famous clients, and his son Alex worked out with me. And Alex decided to become a minister and did it within 24 hours. So you can either become a minister or a trainer within 24 hours, uh, certified to perform weddings or to tell people what to do with their life, healthy wise. Yeah, Allie, if you need to renew your vows, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a certified minister too. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> Becky. <laughs> and yeah, it was like one click and $30 and you're done. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. right? You could do the same thing with becoming a trainer. Yeah, see that that's disturbing because um, I've I've tried some at home training plans and I spend a lot of time on YouTube because there's these names of things like bird dogs and I don't even know fill in the blank. Becky's way better. My I'm I'm all about the mantra that abs are made in the kitchen, Denny. And yeah. <laughs> I do functional movement like hike with my toddler, play in the river, those types of things. Is there a uh, is that okay for optimal health in an individual that's just looking to maintain mass, or do you think that there are you know functional training movements that need to be layered on, and and or certain exercise, uh, I guess positions or movements or reps that are necessary for optimal health? 
Yeah, that's an interesting question because I'm like you. I believe in, in functional training. Um, now, <clears throat> I have this playground around me. I, I'll use the example of what I just did. I just, uh, I just climbed Mont Blanc last week. Uh, and it's the highest point in Europe and also okay. the deadly mountain in the world. Um, and I started training for it in January and did a big ramp up for it. So uh, I could have gone to the gym and got on a treadmill every day and then got on the stair machine every day and just done that. But does that really get you prepared for the mountain? Well, obviously it gets you prepared for going uphill to some degree, uh, but you're doing this repetitive motion, whether you're on a treadmill or um, a stair climber, it's just very repetitive. Now, because I live in Southern California, uh, within driving distance of my house, I have some incredible mountains. Yeah. So I prefer to go for, you know, I would go running with no weight on my back uh, with uh, Serena, my wife, and we would do that. On the weekends, I would go out to either Mount Wilson or Mount Baldy and throw a pack on my back with the actual boots I would be climbing the mountain with and doing that. And you'll go, well, what's the difference? Well, the difference is you're taking big steps, you're taking small steps, you're taking steps that will twist your ankle in this direction and that direction. Your hips, your back, everything has to move uh, to keep your body in position when you have a 35 or 40 pound pack on. Not to mention that when you get to the crest of those mountains, you now have to come downhill, which will work a whole different group of muscles. Um, aside from that, um, <clears throat> I would do other functional stuff like um, uh, get in the water and go kayaking. And you will, what does that have to do with mountain climbing? Well, you know, you're building up some mitochondria. You, you're still working on your heart. You're working on your hips. You're working on the twist. You know, I use something called a wing paddle, which okay. have to use a lot of hip movement. Uh, and it's completely opposite of climbing a mountain. But a couple of days of doing that and then getting back on the hiking, number one, your brain refreshes. You know, you're not just doing the same repetitive motion. But you're also doing something to counteract what you were doing before. So I think what you're doing with your kid is the best exercise. Cool. Uh, that's not to diminish going to the gym and working out because that's what most people can do because that's what your lifestyle will dictate. And by the way, my, my partner who did my block with me did most of his training in a gym. He lives in New York City. And he's a big music exec, and that's the only way he could do it. And he also got to the top of the mountain. So who's to say what's the best? Fair, fair. I like that. Good. And for those of us who, you know, live in Houston where it's quite flat and there's not a lot of... <laughs> you don't have mountains <laughs> in your backyard, Becky? No, but I have taken to... I live in a five-story apartment complex, so I'll run up and down the stairs a few times with my dog and things like that. Um, any, like, uh, exercise hacks for those who do have just a gym? Like, what would be, like, the top three, I guess, movements or um, exercises, Vinny, that um, for those of us who, who do have, like the gym and the bench and all the weights and all of that stuff accessible, but maybe not mountains and kayaking on a regular basis. Any pro tips? Yeah. Yeah. I hate to use the term hack because, <clears throat> you know, you know, people are, oh, we're hacking this, we're hacking that. There is no shortcut to fitness. Uh, sure. Number one, uh, I tell everyone, and I mean, everyone jump rope is the simplest way any the first type of exercise you want to do is a weight bearing exercise meaning something on your feet i don't care if you're playing weekend volleyball i don't care if you're jogging or walking or pushing a baby stroller or taking your dog for a walk or jumping rope uh, the first thing you need to do is be on your feet that's you know that's going to give your body you know we think of our bones as not growing the way muscles grow and our connective tissue, but all of that happens from weight-bearing exercise. And weight-bearing exercise simply means bearing the weight of your body. <clears throat> when you're riding a bike, you're not doing that. That's not to diminish cycling, which is a great sport. Uh, when you're in a kayak, you're not doing that. Sure. But when you're hiking and running and jumping rope and doing all that stuff, and people will go, really, just to jump rope? Yeah, yeah, just to jump rope. And I know we all sit in front of computers today. One of the best hacks if you want to call it hack is get a standing desk yes we sit we're not meant to sit as much as we sit uh people need to stand up more and get moving 
Love that. Becky and I both rotate between exercise ball or standing desk. And I don't think either of us financially have committed to a standing desk. So I'll have an Amazon box, (laughs) whatever it is, you know, anything. And they change, you know, sometimes it's a double stacker of uh, shoe boxes or whatnot, but uh, it it does the trick for sure. Because I I do know sitting is is the new smoking. Um, Let's get a word from our sponsor today. And then I really want to unpack a lot about your documentary, Fat. Uh, So let's hear a word from Crowd Cow, our sponsor of today's episode. So Crowd Cow delivers the best craft meat from the farm to your table. And you know the exact breed style of beef that you're getting. And we love that you get to virtually meet the small independent rancher who actually produced the beef. So you're picking the exact cuts that you want and it's delivered straight to your door. They have options for subscription service, but you're able to curate exactly what you want when you want it from a variety of local or non-local farms. And they go beyond beef. They will allow you to virtually meet the small independent ranch who produced whatever animal product that is you are getting. And what's super cool about CrowdCow is that's the best ability to vote with your dollar and really decentralize our food system. In fact, this is very timely because Vinny and I were both on a panel <laughs> for CrowdCow uh, over KetoCon where we were talking about sustainability within the meat industry. And this is one of the best ways to vote with your dollar and decentralize this large scale production and keep small family farms in business. This is where we support our soils. This is where we're going to have less of a stressful slaughtering process and often more nutritional density in the end product. So go on over to crowdcow.com backslash naturally nourished and you will get $25 off your first order as well as free shipping. And when you're over there, you can check out their keto influencers page. In fact, you can find the Allie Miller RD bundle up there where we have cuts that Brady, Stella, and myself eat on for a week's time. It includes a pasture-raised whole chicken, which we will roast on a Sunday and then make bone broth throughout the week. It includes two pounds of dry-age, grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef. If you're new to grass-fed meats, you'll know that they have a little higher water content. So dry-aged grass-fed, grass-finished is the way to go. You're also going to get bone-in skin on chicken thighs and a couple other cuts that we like to keep in variety, including pork shoulder, which I like to use to make carnitas in its various ways. Great dish for the summer, pairs really well with a nice leafy green salad. So go on over to crowdcow.com backslash naturally nourished. You'll get $25 off your first order and free shipping. And you can eat what I eat in a week by checking out the Allie Miller RD bundle. Or you can eat Wagyu lollipops, either one. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes, if you want to be real fancy, you can at CrowdCow check out any of their A5 Wagyu, (laughs) which is a religious experience for sure. (laughs) Yep. Can I I pile on and just go Go for it? (laughs) You know, when when, um, uh, Joe Heitzberg was originally on my show, the guy who founded CrowdCow, he was just a guest on the show. um, And... Of course, uh, you know, folks, look, they, they sponsor my show, too. And I'm not making a dime from saying this because I'm not on my show right now. <laughs> uh, my, my wife, Serena, <clears throat> I was in bed that morning. And she goes, who are you interviewing? I said, I don't know, some jackwad named, you know, Joe Heisberg. He's <laughs> or something, I don't know. And she goes, you mind if I sit in on the interview? Because she cannot stand factory farming. Uh, she would be a vegan if she knew meat wasn't so healthy for her. Um, she cannot stand, you know, killing floors and the way people, you know, you know, these factory farms. So she sat for an hour and 10 minutes and grilled this poor guy. <laughs> and at the end of the podcast, she said, we're ordering crowd cow. And this was <laughs> before they were ever a sponsor of ours. Uh, off the air, she went and ordered crowd cow. And then I called Joe back a week later and said, it passed the Serena test. And, uh, and that led to a different conversation. Before we knew it, they had become, but we're very weird about who we let sponsor. And boy, that company is amazing. And it was great being sharing a stage with you, Allie, and also Catherine, who works with CrowdCow. Uh, just a wonderful time over at KetoCon. 
Absolutely. And right. I think transparency is really where it's at in the whole world of anything. (laughs) And so that accessibility is a really unique attribute of their business. And I'm so happy to be a part of it as well. It's very cool. Yeah. Awesome. So So let's talk about this documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Tell (laughs) us about a documentary what the premise is and, you know, speaking of transparency and a lack thereof in the diet and wellness industry, um, what's the premise, what's the status of the project and um, give us a little sneak peek. Well, it started, you know, every time, you know, my podcast has been out for seven and a half or so years. And uh, every time a movie would come out like Cowspiracy or Forks Over Knives or <laughs> more recent um, <clears throat> um, What the Health, and I know there's another one coming out, you know, called uh, Game Changers. These are all vegan propaganda films, right? And the lies come early and often in these films. As a matter of fact, when What the Health came out, uh, I had two or three people uh, – Nina Teichels and I sat around and just picked it apart and said, look, here's a lie, there's a lie, everything's a lie. Um, they, they're making it up. Look, the, the first lie comes at the beginning of the movie when Kip, you know, the, the, the protagonist in the movie, Kip with his man bun and his stained up t-shirt, the way vegans like to do. <laughs> um, he goes, hey, bro, broski, uh, I was just out there, you know? And I was looking for the best diet to see how humans should live. And uh, like someone mentioned this word like vegan. And I was like, what? Yeah, this guy is literally like a guy, a stone on the beach in California. What's this, what do you call it, vegan again? Oh, wait, Kip, that's a lie because you did a movie called Cowspiracy. <laughs> so, you know, the first lie came in the opening segment of the movie, and then the lies just kept coming and coming and coming. And I used a few different people. We, we, we critiqued it three times. You know, people were like, wait, I'm so scared. I shouldn't be eating meat. This, this movie, what the health is saying, if I even look at meat, I might die. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, and my favorite part of the movie, they found the one African-American vegan um, who happened to be a fat doctor. He was fat, not that he was fat adapted, he was fat. <laughs> and he said that eating meat, or no, I'm sorry, eating dairy was institutionalized racism. Oh yeah, I remember that. What that means. Um, so it was just one lie after another. And it was kind of the final straw where people kept coming to me going, well, look, you, you have a big voice online, you know, you have this book, you have this podcast, you should be the guy doing this movie you know, the opposite movie. And I looked at that and I thought about it for five minutes and said, should we be doing the opposite movie? Is that really what we want out of life? And the answer is no, we don't. Because I'm not going to put out propaganda in the opposite direction. That's just as bad it's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So right? you mean if you sprinkle um, pasture-raised, grass-fed cow blood over the DNA of people, it won't <laughs> miracle heal them? Yeah, yeah, you see, I wouldn't do it. That's, that's what everybody wanted me to do. It's like, just do the opposite movie. Lie in the opposite direction. Oh my God. <laughs> and, you know, I talk to a lot of my close friends now, uh, Gary Taubes and Nina and all these people, and I said, I want to do this movie the right way. And a lot of people came to me and said, hey, I'm going to tell you guys something I haven't told anyone else. This kid came to me and said, hey, we can, you know, I can get the funding to do this movie, you know, through, you know, a Hollywood guy. And I said, okay. And uh, we kind of worked on a script a little bit. And there was one kind of hokey thing he wanted to do in the movie, kind of a, you know, a real piece of crap thing. And I said, look, I won't do that. I just won't do that. And he said, why? And I said, because it's, it's Bush league, you know, it's amateur night. I'm not going to do it. And he goes, okay, we'll cut that out. Well, he came to me a couple of weeks later and he was all excited. He goes, Hey man, I got $400,000 coming to us and we could do this movie. And I went, oh my God, this is wonderful. I can't believe this is going to happen. He goes, yeah, but they want to do that hokey thing that you don't want to do. 
And I said to him, how would they even know about that unless you told them? <laughs> and he goes, well, I was in a meeting and I thought I was losing. So I just thought I'd pull out all the stops and they kind of went for it. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. And he goes, okay, I'll go do the movie without you. And I said, that's fine, but I'm not going to attach myself to a lie or some kind of Bush League project. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, he's still trying to get money for the movie. When I dropped out, the money went away also. Because <laughs> the only reason that people were going to give him 400000 is because I was going to do the movie. Right? So that guy's still out there wallowing and trying to get his money, which I feel bad about that. But, I, you know, I wasn't going to lie to people. So I was back at square one with this whole movie idea. And I, I do the Adam Carolla podcast uh, twice a month. Um, and I was leaving the studio one day and the guy that was taking my seat, because I do the first half of the show and then they bring in a celebrity of some sort. And the guy who came in right behind me, usually it's someone like, you know, Jeff Goldblum or, you know, some celebrity I recognize. Well, I did not recognize this person. And he, he shakes my hand and said, hey, man, I'm a big fan. And I said, of what? He goes, of you. He goes, I've lost all this weight doing an SNG. That, that's my thing. No sugars, no grains. And I, I went, oh, great, bro. I'm, I'm so happy for you. That's good. So I listened to the show the next day to find out who this guy was. I never listened to my episode. <laughs> and his name was Peter Pardini. And he had just done a movie that won all these awards. He was the director of uh, the movie about the band Chicago called Now More Than Ever. And um, I called him up and said, oh, my God, I just watched your movie. I'm sorry I didn't recognize you. And, and I'd love to have you on my podcast. So he came on the podcast. And when, when the mics went cold, he said, you know, I would love to do this movie with you. You've changed my life. And I said, Peter, that's all good and fine, but I have no idea how to get the money. Right. You know, I'm not going to put my own money into this. It's a losing proposition. I don't have that much money. And um, he said, no, you could probably crowdfund it. And that's exactly what we did. We, you know, we crowdfunded well over a quarter of a million dollars, and we did the movie on exactly what we brought in. And uh, we were able to do the movie we wanted to do without telling not even the inkling of one lie. Love it. And, and what were some of the exposed truths? I mean, I know everyone has to go watch it. Uh, <laughs> but anything that you yourself learned in the process, you know, gathering, I'm, I'm sure a lot. Um, I know you've been around the block and, and you're very intelligent. But how about any like ahas that you had or resonating shifts or perspective changes or biggest strike of lightning bolt? Well, you know, whenever everyone tells the story, they like to go back to, you know, Ansel Keys. We, we, yes. we pretend that time began at Ansel Keys. Um, but I wanted to take a look back even further, you know, because we talk about the Inuits and all these people and, you know, the, the Maasai Indians. And, and we, we go, okay, what, what are these people up to and what are we doing? Um, I wanted to find out where veganism began. That, oh. that was my first big thing because whenever you talk to vegans, they'll go, well, veganism has been around for thousands of years, right? Uh, do you guys know when veganism actually started? Becky, I'm going to ask you that question. Do you know when <laughs> veganism started? I have no idea, but Allie and I both oh, are. In a juice bar in Berkeley. Berkeley. Yeah, in a juice bar. <laughs> I might have been a founding, no. <laughs> Are you a vegan? It's too late. I, no, I was. Um, Allie and I both have a, a vegan backstory and a, a podcast episode way back when called um, about being a recovering vegan or something like that. Yes. <laughs> so no idea when it started? No. No. Well, if you ask most people who just become vegans, they'll go, oh, yeah, you know, people in India started this thousands of years ago. And it's been around and, uh, and all this kind of stuff. It actually started in the 1860s. Uh, when a crazy woman who belonged to a, an even nuttier church called the Seventh-day Adventists had a premonition. And that's the day veganism started. She, she woke up and said, we should not eat anything that has a face. Her name was Ellen White. And that's when veganism started. Now, even though it started then, it didn't take hold because of several reasons. 
we did not discover the first vitamin, which was at the time called vitamin, until the 1920s. And we didn't even discover that there were 13 essential vitamins until much later. And then we didn't even start the vitamin industry until much later than that. So even though veganism was conceived in the 1860s, you couldn't do it without dying until we had exogenous vitamins because vegans couldn't live otherwise. You would just die from the diet. The diet is that unhealthy. It's not a complete diet. I mean, think about when you guys were vegans. You were always chasing health, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We're malnourished. <laughs> yes, that was the crux of, I guess that's what brings you closer to God. In the sense yeah. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> what, yeah. what is the, uh, we used to joke, um, what is the name? Uh, there's people that believe on living on, uh, breatharian. Breatharians? Breatharians. Yeah, Eritarians. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, look, one of my most famous episodes was I had a fruitarian on um, who claimed, he, he was on Sanjay Gupta's show on CNN. And he claimed that he was eating 20 pounds of vegetation per day. What? Right? And I saw that. I saw that piece <laughs> and the Chiron ran underneath. You know, this guy eats 20 pounds of vegetables a day. And I started, and the guy weighed about 140 pounds. And I started thinking about that. I went, wait a minute. I have a horse and my horse weighs, you know, 1,400 pounds. So I Googled how much my 1,400 pound horse eats in a day. And it did not come to 20 pounds of vegetation. It came to like 15 pounds of vegetation. And my horse weighed 1,400 pounds. How did a 140-pound man eat 20 pounds of vegetation? Is he just crapping? Because I used to watch my horse eat and crap at the same time. <laughs> I thought it was a real talent. And I went, wow, this guy eats more than my horse. Obviously, Sanjay Gupta, they got it wrong. I want this guy to have a chance to correct it. So I brought him on my podcast and um, I said, listen, that was back when Anna and I did all the shows together. It's about mm -hmm. six years ago. Uh, I said, listen, I, I want to give you a chance to correct what you're doing. And he said, yeah, yeah, they got it wrong. It's not 20 pounds of vegetation a day. And I said, you see, Anna, I knew it. Sanjay Gupta got it wrong. He goes, yeah, I eat 50 pounds of vegetation. <laughs> And you can only imagine the podcast went downhill from there. Oh my gosh, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, it's, it's legendary. Um, I need to listen to that. I know, you tread too. lightly at all or no? <laughs> Terrible. Again? I said, did you tread lightly at all? Did you have to hold back a little bit because you just felt sorry for him at the end? <laughs> well, I was asking him all kinds of stuff like, do you just crap around the clock? Or <laughs> He started like telling me stuff like, Hey, bro, I'll run, uh, you know, like, like a kid on the school ground. I'll race you right now. I'll race you now. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I, I'm not saying you can't. I'm just asking questions. And he just went down these weird rabbit holes. And he kept saying, hey, man, I'm just a guy. I don't make any money on this. And then we looked him up after the show. And he ran these two camps where he charged people thousands of dollars. And he would, he would, you know, we figured out he was making over a million dollars a year getting people to go to these fruitarian camps. Mm. Uh, he ended up in prison, by the way. Um, some judge, he, he scammed and did something else and he ended up in prison. Um, mm. So this guy was just a scam job all the way around. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly a lot of deficiencies going on. And oh I, I know, so in the vegan diet, of course, there's a lot of limitations beyond the, the known B12, a, a lot of functional compounds that are conditionally necessary, uh, things like coenzyme Q10 and uh, certain amino acids like glycine and what have you. Uh, how about as far as with fat, a documentary, do you hit on how people are fat malnourished um and is there a lot into so obviously with ansel ansel keys and kind of taking away that demonization of saturated fat do you hit on industrialized fats and and the confusion that lies within there no we don't because that would have taken you know i wanted to get this movie done in 90 minutes because i didn't want people to to look at it and, and, and I didn't want to confuse the issue too much. You know, sure. we just wanted to show where the problem started and how you can correct the problem. You know, some people said, Hey, you didn't even mention your NSNG diet in there. It's like, no, this, this movie was not about me. 
Sure. And, you know, it, this was just me presenting information and, you know, having, you know, you, people are going to have to take the information and decide for themselves. Now, does that mean that there will be a part two, a part three, and a part four where an Ali Miller would be in a movie describing that stuff? Absolutely. You know, we would like to do more of these, um, especially if this one does well. Sure. You know, we, we just had to, you know, look, we, we, when, you, when you get a film with, uh, you know, Andreas Ehrenfeldt and Gary Taubes and Nina Teichos and uh, Eric Westman and Brett Shear, and you get all these people to show up and uh, Dave Feldman and Ivor Cummins, you can only do so much. Yes. You know, because it, the, the information is so rich that you can't do everything. Uh, but yeah, it leaves it leaves the door open for all of that discovery because now people are going to go. Wait a minute, what else? And there is a lot of what else. Um, as a matter of fact, even from the footage we have left over, I feel we can do another two ninety-minute movies. Wow! Just on what we we have sitting around. Um, not that we would do that because I want to bring more people in and talk about other things. Right. But none of that can happen unless this movie is a success because the bottom line is we have to go sell this to a distributor and they're not going to do another movie unless this movie is successful. Sure. Right. They know the vegan movies are successful. That's why they keep doing them. You know, we're dealing with the same distributors. Uh, and the only way we can get more of this information out is that a lot of people go and pre-order this. And I don't know, when are you putting this episode out at? This will be August twenty fifth. Yep. Okay. Yeah. The movie from you, you could pre order the movie on iTunes, Vimeo, or Amazon right now, and in five days. Oh, oh August twenty fifth. No, I thought you meant July twenty fifth. Yeah. August twenty fifth. The movie has now been out for twenty five days. We're rocking. Okay. So yeah, you guys need to go and and order this movie and get it because by it getting bigger and bigger and bigger allows Hollywood, you see, I, I'm on both ends of the street. I have to deal with Hollywood and I have to deal with the other side of it. But no one would ever get another movie done, not me, not anyone else, unless this movie does well. Yes. If it makes any sense. So we'll be sure to put links every, uh, in this episode, of course, we'll have links of where you can get the documentary. You don't have to pre-order. It is available circulating and also you guys know not only do you vote with your dollar but sharing is caring in the sense that uh after this episode airs go check out Vinny and his page and also share when you're watching it tag the project and um anything in particular that listeners should keep an eye out for um or best ways to stay connected with you uh the best way you know i'm on instagram and and and, uh twitter all day every day i see you on twitter a lot um, Ali. Um, but besides that, you know, at VinnyTortorich.com, we have a, um, uh, I put, I have a free PDF there. There's no charge. It's, uh, you can go to VinnyTortorich.com slash learn. Uh, and the PDF comes right up. You just sign up and get it. And that also hooks you up to my newsletter. So whenever I have, I don't send out a regular newsletter, but whenever I have pertinent information, uh, a newsletter goes out. And the interesting thing, someone studied my newsletter list uh, one time, and they said, well, you have a lot of people on your list, but the most impressive thing is when you send the newsletter out, you get between 65 and 70% open rate, and that's unheard of in the industry. It's usually like 7% or 6%. Right. How do you do that? I said, oh, it's simple. I don't send out a weekly newsletter. I send out a newsletter when I have something pertinent <laughs> to tell people and they could get something for free. Therefore, they realize, oh, wait, if Vinny's putting this in my inbox, I better open it because he doesn't, he, he does this five times a year, you know? So that's how you keep a high open rate by not, you know, bombarding people with, you know, whatever. I love that. And, and clearly listeners that are new to Vinny, uh, definitely go check him out. As, as you've heard in today's episode, he is a man of high integrity. So what he's putting out there is going to be authentic and genuine and well-researched. So I definitely would put my name backing that as well. So we'll be sure to put links there and you can check out that download. 
Uh, last question that we ask everyone, um, what is, as dietitians, you know, Becky and I have to wear that hat every now and then too, uh, what is your 24-hour recall, Vinny? So yesterday, it's also a memory exercise. So <laughs> yesterday from when you woke up to when you went to bed, what did you have to eat? Um, oh, that's simple. I started off, uh, I do not recommend this to anyone. Um, I started off with, uh, in bed, uh, with a cup of coffee, uh, with heavy cream in it. That's the part that I, you, I recommend that part to everyone. Um, but the part right after this is, uh, I had four raw eggs with a fifth raw yolk in it. Uh, had that for breakfast. I do not recommend anyone eat raw eggs. You, you're taking a chance on salmonella every single time. Um, but I'm old school. That's why they call me Gran Torino. Um, <laughs> for lunch, it was the worst lunch known to man because I took my daughter to the Dodgers game. Uh, and I had a Dodger dog with no bun. Uh, I, I, this is the only time I will ever eat a hot dog. <laughs> there you go. But, uh, you know, when you go to the ballpark twice a year, you do a Dodger dog, but I had no bun. Okay. I have a beef version of it. You could get the beef, the all beef version. Um, Mid-afternoon at around 4 o'clock, I had around 10 ounces of uh, crowd cow hamburger meat topped with uh, cheddar cheese and guacamole. Uh, that was very close to my last meal of the day. But I did have something after that. I can't recall the last thing I ate. Um, the, hamburger, the hamburger was the last thing I ate. It was like at 4 o'clock, 4 o'clock. Okay. And that's a pretty hefty, like, double, double patty deal, 10 ounces. Yeah. 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 I, I just mush them together and just make a big giant. It, looks, it almost covers the entire skillet. <laughs> and, Does Serena uh, get in on that? Uh, she, no, because, uh, when I do baseball with my daughter, she's British and she doesn't understand baseball. So <laughs> she was on her own. And, um, uh, I think, oh, I know what she has. She had roasted chicken last night. Yeah. You know, okay. Uh, and on and the whole thing. I, I know exactly how she prepares it. So <laughs> I was going to say like a, a beautiful, I would imagine, right. Like a, a you know, beautiful crispy skin salmon and arugula salad and something all. <laughs> yeah. That's usually what we have. Different than your, your man double double skillet burger <laughs> slab. Yeah, yeah. Well, you see, we were when, when we're on our own, my meal becomes very rudimentary, and hers is still really pretty, you know? So <laughs> I just don't take the time to do it. You know, she takes the time. I could see that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, good. Well, thank you so much for being on the Naturally Nourished podcast. I know that our listeners have learned a lot and we'll all go check out Fat, a documentary um, and put links for everyone to engage with you. Hopefully um, our listeners, I know we'll find a lot of value in it and um, hopefully y'all will get a great synergy of uh, growth and community. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.